This is your podcast for all things refinishing. I'm Lane Ball with Zebras Before and After. Welcome to Season 3, Episode 24. Today we hear Part 2 of our interview with the Vintage Sisters, Amanda and Jen. They are our July featured artists, and we chat today about how they have made repurposing an important part of their business. We'll hear a refinishing tip from Diana with Pink Pine Cone, and we'll check in with Gina of Refound and Refined Furniture, Miguel and Jessica with Refurbished and Relived, and Nancy with Viv and Violet's Designs to find out what they're working on in their studios this week. We recently announced the Zebra Review winners for June, Kristen with Cloud Art by Kristen, Susie with The White Plum, and Punash with PR Style Creations. We'll hear about their winning pieces that incorporated texture. Make sure you listen to the end as we have important announcements and contests. Stay with us. We have the inspiration, fun, and community that will help platform your day. Last week, we had the privilege to interview Jen and Amanda with the Vintage Sisters, and it was fun learning more about them and discussing their favorite pieces. Well, today we finish our interview as we talk about how important and how much fun they have repurposing. If you haven't checked out our feature on Jen and Amanda, make sure you do that this week as we are holding a giveaway of their favorite zebra brushes, the square and the chiseled wedge. You can go to enjoyzebra.com and click on the blog, then the featured artist tab. Welcome back to our interview with Jen and Amanda of the Vintage Sisters. Jen and Amanda, you guys have commented that you have a fascination with repurposing and you never throw anything out. You end up finding creative ways to repurpose things. Share examples of some of the more common things that you repurpose. Yeah, this is just something like I feel like I've always been good at this Um when you see a piece of something like, um, say it's a dresser and it has maybe some drawer fronts that you're not really happy with. You don't really like the look of it. And you, I just, I love seeing this when other artists do this too. It's just thinking outside of the box basically of, of something that maybe isn't good the way it is. But, um, so examples are like, we would take, um, you know, say a dresser and take the drawer fronts off and use those as our table troughs. So Amanda and I started building these table troughs a few years ago, and they're basically a decorative mm, longer box that would go, you can put it on your table or your buffet, and you just fill it up with all kinds of decor and you can seasonally change it. That's one of our really awesome popular items that people like and and we really like using solid wood for it if we can and we never buy like a sheet of wood uh, to make these it's always leftovers from something so if it's a top of a table or a top of a buffet that's warped there's just yeah the possibilities mm -hmm. are endless of the wood pieces to make that type of a yeah when we started the, the table troughs i think it was originally just random pieces of old pallets yeah that was the, the first, first batch ones, yeah. um because that just would happen to be what um was laying around and it started i made one for myself because i just thought i need something for my table so i think you know it's like 32 inches long by seven or eight inches wide four inches high right essentially it's just this long rectangle box that this the size and shape just reminded me of like the troughs that we had on the farm <laughs> as kids <laughs> and that's why it, we called it a table trough because we're and it's we're making them all out of salvaged wood so basically i made one years ago and had it on my table and then every time someone would come over and then i decorate so at christmas time so then i have all christmas decor in it throughout the year on my table i have vintage books and old glassware you know just anything 
And then lots of people were complimenting on it. So then Jenna and I decided, let's make a batch. Like, and just see if they sell. And they sold out instantly. Yeah. And so then this has become something we do seasonally. Some Maybe twice, well, twice a year. But usually it's in the fall because people want to decorate their tables, their mantles, their coffee tables for the holidays. And so... I mean, we've made quite a few batches and people love them. They sell every time. And like Jen said, we have never bought a new piece of wood for this. It is always salvaged solid wood from leftover anything. Jen does not throw anything out. And when I roll my eyes at her, when she keeps something, it usually does come back to, you know, work in our favor. (laughs) I, I just always feel like... I'll, I'll throw something away and then years later I'll come up with something that was an idea and I'll, I'll be annoyed that I threw it out. She'll go back in the garbage and pick it out. Like if you she'll I throw have my something own garbage dog, oh. let's clarify. Yes, I have my own on my property so I can do that. But yes, <laughs> like, it needs to go in a burning barrel. Like if it's not it burnt immediately, so bar, she will retrieve it at some point and then I'll find it in the pile the next time. Of my wood pile. Yes. So, yes. As much as I roll my eyes at her, it they almost always get used to build something. So, so help me understand this. So the trough is made out of repurposed wood. And I'm looking actually on a post that you guys did back in October of 2020. And there's, there's, there's five of them. There's three on the bottom, two are stacked on top, and they all have different hardware on them. Do you add the hardware to them? That's, it wasn't a drawer. Correct. It, we add the hardware. So that's another thing that we repurpose. Sometimes we do use new hardware, but a lot of the times we try to use our old hardware that's from an, from a dresser, right? That Mm -hmm. we refinished and we bought new hardware for. So now we have all this old vintage hardware. Uh, So then lots of times we'll utilize that to put on the the ends of the table trap. So each end has um, like a matching set Mm. of hardware. And then we started out with mostly stained, but then everyone loves white. So we started painting a lot of them white now, sometimes black. I mean, Mm -hmm. they come in all sorts of colors now, depending on what people like. But, But yeah, so we repurpose the hardware as well. What about the antique sewing drawers? Oh, this is one thing Jen and I are so proud of. Because Jen, you came up with this idea. Yeah, I think I've always been obsessed with the sewing machines. When I think back, my our granny had in her basement an old Singer sewing machine, and we used to sit and play at it. And you'd open it up, and it would be so heavy. And then I remember using your feet to play with the treadle, and she had all kinds of little goodies. I was a snooper. Granny called us Snoop. Maddie's nickname was Snoopy. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> she pulled, like, there was just all kinds of treasures in those little drawers. And um, so I just, I think I always just loved those little wooden drawers. And so... It started out where we were just using the single drawers, I think, um, just basically, do you, do you know which sewing drawers or sewing machines we're talking about, Lane? Well, I, you know, it's funny because both of my grandmothers sewed and they had sewing rooms. And so I, I think, I think though, the thing that I'm thinking about is just a very basic, it had a, it had a flap, it would flap over. And then when you flapped it over, you pulled the machine straight up Yes. and then it had the bottom, but it wasn't, I don't recall these little drawers. 
Okay. Um, so unless it was more of a single, I guess we should show you a before picture. I don't know if we even have a before well, picture. We're getting two delivered. Today, oh yes, actually, we're getting. So that's we'll right. Picture and send it. Okay, to that's a good well, idea. Seriously, for our listeners too, because they're probably like, I want to see this. If you guys can get that to us, sure. we'll put it out and we'll add that to your feature page so yeah. people can yes. go out there and the see those and too. Afters. Yeah. Because basically, on these old um, sewing machines, which are I think in most people's basements, right? Um, they were so common, and then they have the little sewing drawers on the sides where you put all your stuff. Like Jen was saying, yeah. your notions, you're like it would have um, extra so needles and stuff in there. Obviously, these pieces aren't they're not really useful anymore. If they are working, I mean, I don't know of anybody who uses them, and a lot of the times they aren't working. So Jen, she came up with the idea. So some of the drawers are singles, okay? So we just take the drawers out, we clean them up, we paint them, and we sell them as little sewing boxes. People love to put them on mm. their counters where, where you put mail, random keys, anything, right? They're decorative. You can put some plants in. Mm -hmm. And then what we started doing is you can, you these sewing drawers come in towers. It's almost like a little tower on the side of these machines. They come in doubles or triples. Mm-hmm. And so then we thought we need to, I think you must, did you make one for yourself at first, Jen? I can't even remember the first one that we ever made. Jen, Jen, of course, visualized, let's make tops for these. So then the top of the sewing machine, the lid essentially, where that covers the sewing machine, so most of it's solid wood. Sometimes some veneered and peeling. A lot of them are damaged. Yes. Yeah, there is some, so that's how we started out is cutting those tops up routering the edges and sticking the top on and then basically you have a nice little three drawered it reminded stand. us yeah it reminded us of the apothecary style cabinets mm -hmm. right and some of them will actually put the apothecary hardware on it so yeah we we call them our apothecary drawer sets and they sell like crazy they're just very i feel like even our auntie had bought one and she said she was going to use it to put her K-cups in. Yeah, so like, like her coffee. So mm -hmm. yeah. um, I have mine sitting on my counter with random, you know, everyone has a little junk corner. And so it's all just miscellaneous stuff that, that goes in there. But they, they have become very popular. And we don't usually have many in stock because they sell yeah, so fast. Well, I'm sure. So that's one one of our repurposing um, projects that I think we've and become plus, really proud of because yeah. it's it's fun. It's it's you're taking essentially, like I said, this piece that nobody wants. There's no use for it, and selling the base. A lot of people will buy the base from us as is and make mm -hmm. tabletops for them. Right. Mm -hmm. So then you have the big cast iron base being utilized for a completely different project, um, a table or something. And a lot of people will buy the sewing machines off of us just strictly for decor in their home, whether it's in a sewing room or a quilting or, room or, or whatever, right? Just to sit on a shelf. Cause those so, are really cute. yeah. So we try to, to, to sell and repurpose as much of it as possible. That's cool. I, I, as we were talking, I pulled it up and I, and I see it. I think, okay, at least from my grandmothers, I think they had more than, I don't know, the 70s, 80s. Mm -hmm. uh, I think 70s. I know what you're meaning. It, yeah. it was smaller. It was more yeah. like a square. It almost yeah, looks it was like more a compact. Desk, that one. Yeah, the wood one, but this is like a cast base. So the metal yes. base. They're heavy. They are yeah. so heavy. Yeah. And Jennifer and I have gotten quite efficient at taking them apart. We even have a video that we took of ourselves. 
ourselves. Yeah. Um, we're going to do this. Dismantling it uh, together, right? To show oh, that's a great how YouTube. we go about. I feel like I know, that's, that's going to be one of our first. <laughs> that'll be our first like, YouTube video. Yeah, you're going to have to now because our listeners are like, well, I want to see this, you know? Yeah. Well, let me ask you this. You talk about repurposing. What would you say is the most unusual thing that you have ever repurposed? I still have, I have another list. Like oh, your doorknobs. Oh yeah, those are cool. I wouldn't say it's um, necessarily unusual, but no one else really does it. I love, I mean, I've been hoarding like doors and doorknobs for years. Mm-hmm. And I think this is a lot of our memories come back to like our grandma's farm, but I feel like her back bedroom that we used to stay in had a crystal doorknob on it, which I was always in love with. And so I've collected tons of those over the years too, and bought lots of doors. So um, I made a really beautiful, um, it's from the back of a hutch and it's the back plate. Yeah. It's kind of the back plate. that's really curvy and pretty and took it all apart and then put some of my favorite doorknobs on it. And that's where our coats hang up in our foyer when you come in. And then I've also used the antique doorknobs and then cleaned up the plates on it. So these are not working doorknobs, right? So mm-hmm. they're just, I put them together and then made them on the backs of a lot of the doors in our house. And that's where you'd hang up your, um, like your house coat or your Mm -hmm. apron in your pantry or your purse, or there's lots of, um, lots of different ideas for Mm -hmm. those. So we've sold those because you had a large collection. That was a few months ago. We have an Instagram post too, of all the different Mm -hmm. styles. Doorknobs. Yes. Okay. So that's, yeah, that would be another, um, the charcuterie boards is something cool that we kind of had the idea. It's more of like a primitive breadboard is what I like to call them. That was mm-hmm. also out of really cool old pieces of furniture that are talking like late 1800s pieces of wood that were warped. And then we cut them into these shapes just to repurpose them because they're nice. They were odd shapes, so they weren't big enough to make the trough sometimes so but mm-hmm. I just wanted to be creative so I just traced out a whole bunch of different patterns um used Pinterest as my ideas for the patterns um the other thing I really love is like thin t- uh tin ceiling tiles and so mm-hmm. I've bought a whole swack of that and we've used that for back plates inside of a few of our buffets, buffets where the mirror used to be and then also in the cupboard door part of the buffet we've done a few like that mm-hmm. Yeah, those, I just, I really have a soft spot for the tin ceiling tiles. I have, I think the first one that I got that was somebody else had did was a, was a mirror that was made out of one. And that was maybe one of my brainstorming things mm-hmm. is how mm-hmm. I wanted to repurpose some of those in the future. And you th- what are, I don't know if we had any like odd or different ones. Like we've done the, the repurposing your old radio cabinets into nice little, um, cap like shelves, put shelves in it, and then as use it as an actual cabinet. Otherwise, I don't know if we've. I can't think of anything that was really out of the ordinary. So when you guys buy a piece of furniture to refinish, and you have to do some structural changes to it or alterations, and you dispose of elements or pieces of that piece, you you keep all of that stuff. I mean, you're keeping things to then potentially use for other projects or repurpose things. Yes. 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 Do, when you when you're out shopping, do you find yourself looking for things to repurpose? Not specifically. It's more so like 
like today there's a buffet that's getting delivered and we looked at the picture and both of us had the same idea right away about it's like that back plate's coming off and i'm sending it home with you today (laughs) (laughs) here jen you can hang this in your house somewhere because this is gonna be something that's just like we both thought right away it's coming off and um or like the mirrors on the backs the dressers a lot of times Mm -hmm. we do that too but i don't think we go out specifically looking for something to to take apart to do that no and i guess it would a lot of times be sometimes it'll be somebody will contact you and say oh i have this would you be interested and it's not something that's our style at all but if it's solid wood and it's literally they're taking it to the dump and we could make it into something like that then that's um i say i think the only thing that i'm usually on the lookout for is i really like the table leaves like actual table leaves that are the solid oak or mm-hmm. whatever types that just randomly are in people's closets. They don't even know what table it used to belong mm. to. And so sometimes we come up with a few of those and then you can use those mm. for those projects too. Yeah. Let me ask you this. Cause you know, you're talking about, cause I mean, you've got really two facets here from the furniture refinishing to the repurposing of all kinds of things. Do you, and you said these things, your repurposed items sell well, do you mm-hmm. feel like the margin is good on them as well? Like you're you're able to make good margin on these repurposed items? I think yes. better than I think yeah, I think better. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, because even just the apothecary door sets too. We buy a sewing machine and we dismantle it and we essentially sell the parts. Where you know you sell the cast yeah. iron base, you sell it, so you've already made your money back and more yeah. just by selling the parts. That we don't want. <laughs> yeah. Right? And so then when we go to build our drawers and paint it, we don't have really any, we don't have any money into it. Yeah. yeah. And a lot of times right? the so, colors that we're using, if we're painting a bunch of different colors for the apothecary drawers, they're often colors that we already have open. Yes. We're not, projects, bu- we're like, never buying new paint for any of it. It's you're using what you have. Yeah. yeah. If you just did a piece with that yeah. color, then you're like, oh, I'll just paint a couple of these troughs because I have this tin of this open. So... Um, I just thought of something funny and it was, it's old, but that's, if you're saying like the weird repurpose thing, my first project that I made with our dad, um, was a scrunchie holder. Um, I, yeah. And I really wish I had it cause it was funny. Like it's so my patent on this would be it, a dowel with a piece of wood, but dad had a broken, it would have been uh, like a broom handle. So uh-huh. the end of it was already rounded off. And then he just like cut it and then we put it on a piece of wood, like a square piece of wood and screwed in the bottom. And I sanded it and painted it teal to match my bedroom. And yeah. I like Listen. it was very cool from the bottom to the top. Of yeah. It was full of scrunchies. And then when scrunchies came back a couple of years ago, I was like, we have to start building these for the kids and stuff. Mm-hmm. It's be so funny to make a Papadale scrunchie holder. Yeah. Oh, man. I, I tell you, I really resonate with that because <laughs> I have a 15-year-old and a 10-year-old. Yeah. <laughs> and they yeah. both are always like, where's the scrunchies? Does anybody have a scrunchie? Where are the scrunchies? I'm like, they're on the doorknobs. <laughs> I mean, that's where they're at. <laughs> that would be cool to see them in one place. Yes. My daughter actually, because I obviously have the same scrunchie holder that dad would have made me after he made Jen's. And so um, my daughter found just a plain wood paper towel holder 
right? That would sit on your counter. Mm -hmm. So basically, essentially, it's the same thing. It's like a dowel on a base. And um, <laughs> so we bought scrunchies. it. Yeah, so we bought it. She painted it so that she has her scrunchie holder, too. Wow, that's great. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. That's very unique. <laughs> that, well, it's just funny. That qualifies. Like a, a broken handle. A broken broom handle. Yeah. Dad definitely didn't, you know, after he passed away and we had to clean out the shop, like, it was quite comical, the things that we were finding that, you know, it was just like, why on earth mm -hmm. would you have this? But that's how it'll be when when we Somebody cl when cleans one. your shop. <laughs> <one day. laughs> Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, listen, Jen and Amanda, I always have a good time chatting with you two. You both are a lot of fun, and you both contribute <laughs> so much, really, seriously, to the refinishing oh, industry you, tremendously. So we're proud to feature you both this month and hope to continue our fun and helpful podcast segment with the Furniture Council uh, with you both as well. So mm -hmm. you guys go repurpose something unique, okay? <laughs> okay. <laughs> We'll try to find, we'll try to think of something creative by the next time we chat. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Maybe, maybe this afternoon we'll take apart that sewing machine and send it to you. Oh, yeah. And the pic of the picture of the pierogies and the poutine. Yes, we'll please do. <laughs> My mind is still wondering. <laughs> you, guys, you guys take care. Yes. Okay, you too. You Thanks too. So Thank much, you, Lane. Lane. This podcast is sponsored by Zebra, makers of the application-specific paintbrushes that lay down the smoothest finish of paint, giving you the results that you and your customers demand. Most of you are working day in and day out in your studios, and it's important that you have the right tools you need as well as the right attire. We are excited to announce that our new stylish aprons are available on our website, enjoyzebra.com. These aprons are the best of both worlds in that they give you adequate protection for your clothing, but don't weigh you down. They are made of 100% cotton canvas. Each has one chest pocket and two hip pockets. It has a cross-back tie with faux leather tabs with a washed denim feel. They come in two options, a blue jean color that has refinish, relax, and repeat printed on the front, and a gray option that has excuse the mess, I paint here, also printed on the front. Consider checking them out and treat yourself to a cool apron that will make you feel great while you work and impress your clients. Wow, the summer is zipping by and we are getting ready to leave July. Before we say goodbye to July, we want to make sure our June Zebra Review winners receive their due recognition and our accolades. I love the creative theme that our judges came up with, but I was curious to see what we would get from the entries because... Well, not everyone uses texture, especially if you aren't using milk paint. I have to say I was really impressed. A lot of great entries and the winners are a reflection of that and a reflection of their own incredible talents. Let's glean from them now. For first place, we have Kristen with Cloud Art by Kristen. Second place goes to Susie with The White Plum. And third place goes to Panache with PNR Style Creations. Congratulations to all three of you. Thank you. Thank you. Well, unfortunately, Panache was not able to make it on the podcast this time. We will, however, share some information she provided about her winning piece. I have a quick question for the two of you. Had you already planned on incorporating texture for your pieces, or did the contest inspire you to use texture? I had already planned on using texture for mine. Ah. <laughs> okay. we'll and there's a reason there. for it and I'll let you know why <laughs> okay. what about you Kristen no I didn't really know what I was going to do I changed my mind so many times on 
the pieces that I paint. So um, mine was kind of a last minute decision. Okay. Well, well, we're hoping that maybe the contest kind of helped give you a little bit of boost, maybe, maybe, hopefully. <laughs> well, yeah, definitely. Um, okay. I just, I do a lot of texture anyway, so yeah. Yeah, I bet you when you saw that, uh, the Zebra View on texture, we were like, this is it. I can, yes, I can do this. Yes, <laughs> I was excited, yeah. Oh, that's great. Well, let's talk location and weather. Um, Kristen, you live in Maryland? Yes, I live in Southern Maryland, and it's hot and humid, and it's just too gross to go outside. It's like a rainforest. Yeah, it's not painting weather outside for sure, is it? Definitely not. Now, where are you? So, so you're Southern Maryland, so you're probably, how far are you from Washington, D.C.? I'm about 30 minutes from D.C. and 30 minutes from Annapolis. Oh, wow. Annapolis is a really cool uh, little place. Do you guys go there often? Um, sometimes. I mean, it's so different. I, I grew up in Baltimore County and everything was right there. And, um, now that I live in, I'll call it the country, I have to drive. It's 30 minutes to get to Annapolis. It's, yeah, it's such a drive to get everywhere that I usually don't go out much. <laughs> just kind of stay put, right? <laughs> yeah. It's just different. Yeah. What do you like about where you live? It's beautiful. The schools are great. Um, I love our house and the the land, and it's it's a big change. A lot less people. Yeah, you got well. I mean, you really do have the best of both worlds. I mean, because you're not far from big locations if you want to go out and about. Uh, but you've got that space, as you said earlier. Yes, very true. Where do you get most of your furniture? Um, what's your uh, what's your hot spot? Um, I get most of my furniture from Facebook Marketplace, and there is a girl who um, resells locally, and I buy a lot from her. That's nice. So um, she's like a main source. Does she ever reach out to you and say, hey, look what I got? Yes. <laughs> Sometimes <laughs> she does, which is wonderful because she yeah. kind of knows my style. Her prices are great. She delivers. So I kind of got lucky with that. Oh, that's great. Now, there's several other people in the area. Uh, have you had a chance to meet up with Anne Michelle? No, I haven't. I think she's in Northern Virginia. I guess when you look at the, you know, look at the map from a bird's eye view, uh, when you know there's people close to Washington, D.C., you assume you all are pretty close, but it probably is on the other side of D.C. Yes, it's, she's probably about an hour from me. But I do talk to Sarah from Pop Salvage a lot. Uh -huh. And sometimes I message her and, you know, tell her that there's a piece on Facebook in her area that she needs to pick up because we're, <laughs> we're, we're almost an hour from each other, but she's kind of the closest to me. Oh, that's nice. It's so cool to link up with other refinishers and it really just support one another. That's nice. It is. It's wonderful. I love our community. Susie, you reside in Texas. What part of Texas? I am in um, San Antonio. Uh, well, actually, I'm not in a suburb to San Antonio, but and I've lived here my entire life. <laughs> Have you? <laughs> so yes. you're Texas. I'm Texas. Born in Houston, raised in San Antonio. So. Oh, that's nice. But but I assume a lot of your family is probably still in Texas as well, which makes it nice. Yes. 
Listeners, unfortunately, we had technical difficulties with our interview with Susie that we were not able to overcome. We wanted to keep what we had of the interview, but this was the last place where we had issues. We did ask Susie to share a bit about her piece in a recording which she was kind enough to share. Before we do that, we're going to share some info about Panache's piece as she won third. We'll share about Susie's piece, and then we'll play our interview with Kristen as the first place winner. We apologize for the challenges we faced, but we wanted to do everything we could to make sure all three winners were highlighted. Punash with PNR style won third place. Her piece was a beautiful china hutch cabinet. Here is what she shared that I will read. This old cabinet belongs to one of my clients. She wanted me to give it life with a contemporary look. I love working on a piece of family history to keep for other generations. I was dreaming to update a piece with cane, and this was the right one. I decided to place cane over the glass. If someday they change their mind, they can simply remove the cane. My client picked up a wonderful dark color for the cabinet and wanted to see the cane the same color. I purchased fine open paper cane sheet. This kind of cane can be used without soaking in water. I just primed and painted, then removed the glass and placed the cane with hot gun glue, trimmed the cane around the edges. This was fun to tackle and I'm so happy with the outcome. Now my client uses it in their bedroom as a storage unit. As a side note, Panache used Benjamin Moore's Galaxy. Congratulations, Panache, on winning third place. This cabinet turned out lovely. You can follow Panache at PNR Style Creations. Our second place winner was Susie with the White Plum. Susie's project was a French provincial buffet style piece. She used limestone, iron oxide, goldenrod, and inkwell from Wise Owl Furniture, incorporating salt wash to create the texture. Here is Susie's recording. Texture is one of my favorite mediums to work with. Um, more specifically, salt wash is my preference as of lately. And I really just, for lack of better words, love to play with texture and add you know, many, many layers. And then once they're dry, just start chipping away at them to reveal what's underneath. Each piece is, is a little different. You never know what you're going to get. And, and that really, to me, is the excitement and the beauty of it. My favorite thing about texture is its ability to transform an ordinary piece into something special. For example, more specifically, this piece here is not one that I would normally seek out to refinish because it is not wood. It's actually constructed of 100% pressed board. However, with all things considered, it was in perfect shape and it had that cute French provincial style that we all love so much. And to me, those all those layers of texture, it kind of adds almost an architectural aspect to it. And um, that to me, what t- is texture is all about. It's all about the added character. Thanks, Susie. And congratulations on winning second place. This piece turned out beautiful. You can follow Susie at The White Plum. Kristen, you won first place. You mentioned on your IG account that it was a little bit of class and a little bit of grunge. I really like how you use texture. (laughs) And you kept part of it smooth. That was so cool. Describe it for our listeners and tell us about it. Well, thank you. Um, The piece that I worked on was originally a china hutch and a server. And I was thinking about doing the whole piece together, but I just really liked the bottom part, the server part. It was just so cute and mid-century. So 
I wanted to use a color that I had bought a few months ago. I completely forgot about it. And I, I was looking through my paint and I found this one. It's Urban Decay by Benjamin Moore. And it's a really pretty olive color. Um, I love the way that olive looks against the natural wood. I think those colors complement each other perfectly. So I just started sanding the legs, you know, the frame and mm -hmm. the, small frames in the middle. And it, I really loved the way that it looked. I knew that I wanted to use some type of texture, but I really didn't know what exactly I was going to do. I looked up, which I do sometimes the color on the Benjamin Moore website, the Urban Decay, mm -hmm. and they show complementary colors to that. And the complementary colors were like an off white and a brown and like a grayish tone. So I thought, well, I'll give them the try for the centerpiece because I wanted the centerpiece to look different than the others. I kind of wanted to make it a focal point, kind of like an art piece. So I tried using those colors and I just, I just didn't like the way it was looking. And so then I just changed my whole um, color scheme. And I thought, well, I'm going to, I'm going to use my spackle because I love doing texture <laughs> and um, it's just so simple, but it makes such a big impact. So I got out my plain old spackling compound and used a spatula to apply the um, spackle just right over the paint that I had used. And when I liked the way that it looked, I started painting it. So first I covered it again with the green color, the Urban Decay. And then I started to add the colors that I like. And I thought that the the gold and the brownish tones would look better than the cream and the brown. So mm -hmm. um, I started playing with my different cans of spray paint that I have. And I have one, the Rust-Oleum American accents. It's the stone textured finish. Mm -hmm. And I use it all the time. Instead of using dark wax, it's my go-to. I hardly ever use dark wax or black wax. And when I spray this stone texture on my pieces, I can leave it as is or dampen paper towel or a rag and just start kind of smearing it everywhere and I, the technique is called ragging um but i just apply it until i like it and it's so simple the the reason why i don't record a lot of what i do is because when i do texture it's so messy there's no rhyme or reason to it and i just feel like it it, it looks so unprofessional what i'm doing but the result looks great so yeah a lot of times i don't record myself which I really need to start doing. <laughs> so yeah, I used the texture until I liked the way that it looked. It gave it the brown tone, a little bit of gold, a little bit of black. It just needed something else. So I got my Annie Sloan gilding wax in warm gold, and I started applying that here and there, rubbing it in to see how it looked. And eventually I came up with the result. Tell us a little bit again about the Rust-Oleum that you spray. Do you spray that over the entire piece? Um, no, I only spray it on the areas where I want, where I put texture, because it gives a good highlight, kind of like when you use darkening wax, black wax, dark mm -hmm. wax, um, it highlights the cracks and the the bumps in the spackling compound or the, yeah. the spackle. Right. So it kind of just accentuates it. 
and brings it to life instead of it looking like that flat green. You know, I think what I loved hearing when refinishers are talking about their pieces and how they how the piece sort of unfolded. I love hearing like the story of that because sometimes it's very detailed and it's very planned and you follow it to a T. But it sounds like this piece wasn't that way. It sounds like you had an idea, but it just really unfolded as you worked on it. I'd say 90% (laughs) of the pieces that I refinish happen that way. That's another reason why I don't like to record because I will plan it out. I'll take pictures. I'll go on my computer sometimes and um, mess around with color and texture or or prints. And I will think, okay, this is what I'm going to do. And I'll have it all mapped out. Well, like 90% of the time, I never stick to my plan. So it's like it makes it very hard to to record when you don't follow through with your plan right? because your videos are all over the place. And you would take a lot of splicing. (laughs) Yes. And I I can't help it. That's just, I have to accept that that's the way I work and there's sometimes no plan. Well, that's okay because look, look how it turns out. I mean, it turns out wonderful. Thank you. Now, when you, you, you first mentioned that you started sanding the side and then the, is that like a middle sliding drawer? No, it's a stationary um, piece. It's a stationary panel in the center. It doesn't move. Only the doors on the left and the right open up. So that's a stationary piece, which probably gave me the idea to make it a focal point. Yeah. Yeah. I love what you said earlier too, about it uh, being a piece of artwork because it is framed the way you have those left and right panels or those trim pieces, you know, natural. And then the textured piece in the middle is just, uh, it's very, very well balanced, but it's very, it has this strong focal point to it right in the center. It's really beautiful. And I know a lot of people say this, um, the the piece kind of told me what it wanted me to do to it, you know? So yeah, as you're working on a piece and you're discovering the, the, the wood grain and the shape of the piece, I'm sure that, that that's, you know, that's how it unfolds now. How did you decide not to expose more wood? Um, I was actually going to take the the top veneer off. Um, I started sanding it down and I just, I didn't like the way that it looked. And I thought, no, I'm going to paint this. It needs to be painted. And I liked it. I It just worked. But, you know, sometimes I'll sand something down completely and I won't like it after all that work. And I know that others go through that from time to time uh, or or vice versa. So I just liked it. What about uh, you mentioned removing the veneer? Was the piece in pretty good shape structurally? Yes, it was. So I should have never even thought to do that, but I did. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes I make things so difficult on myself. <laughs> so where did you find this piece? I have a friend nearby who goes to estate sales, she kind of knows my style. So when she finds things, she'll, you know, message me pictures and um, come and deliver it for me. Yeah, that's like, you do, that's an ideal situation. You, you mentioned it her earlier. so, so ideal. <laughs> so this piece came from her. That's excellent. Yeah. Now, does she see the final piece and say, I get first dibs on it? Well, yes, I send her, I usually send her the piece, a picture of the piece and she loves them. So, so where is this piece today? It's in my basement. It's, um, still has not been sold, but it is for sale. You're not, you're not planning to keep it then. Oh no, I'm not keeping it. I don't have anywhere to put it. I wish that I did, 
but yeah, I don't, I wish I could keep them all. Yeah. I can't imagine you'd have trouble selling it. It's a really beautiful piece in it. Thank you. And I know it's, it's a little beyond neutral and that it's got, you know, color tones in it, but I mean, I would think this would fit in a, a lot of different uh, home decor styles. Yeah, it's a little bit industrial, a little bit farmhouse, a little bit boho. Yeah, so it's a it's one of those uh, styles that uh, suits everybody. <laughs> right, and you can't go wrong with green. Everyone loves every shade of green. Absolutely, Kristen, describe your style for us. Um, gosh, my style is all over the place, <laughs> just like my method. Um, I really like boho. And industrial combined. I like the combination of the hard against the soft. Um, it just gives it something. Instead of the piece being flat, you know, just painted all the same, I like adding texture, whether it's dried flowers. I use pompous grass in one of my pieces, spackle, joint compound. I just like adding a little something. Now, do you typically try to add texture to every piece then? No, not every piece. Sometimes I plan it. Sometimes it just happens as I'm working on it. Sometimes I think I'm going to do one type of texture and I end up doing another. So you've probably done a lot of pieces, but uh, tell us maybe what was your first piece that had texture incorporated and were you satisfied with it? The first piece that I ever used texture was on a piece that I used as a TV stand in my basement for years, and um, we just weren't using it anymore, so I decided to paint it and sell it. Well, the fronts were kind of damaged, the fronts of the drawers, and I just couldn't get them smooth the way that I liked them. So I had seen all these DIYs online of people creating the boho look with the stone texture, and they were painting vases and all kinds of things in their home, everything. Mm -hmm. And they were spraying this stone texture on it and I loved it. So I thought I'm going to paint this piece a pale pink and apply the stone texture to just the top three drawers and see how it looks. And I did it and I really liked it. But my husband, um, he saw it and he's like, why don't you spray all of them, all the drawers? I was like, all right, I will. (laughs) And I sprayed them really lightly. I didn't do it heavily. So you could only really see it if you were up close. And I liked the way that it turned out. And then I just wanted to put that texture on everything. So that's how it started. What do you think creates fear in people when refinishers think about texture? Maybe they haven't done it, but they're hesitant. What do you think is the big drawback in their minds? Um, maybe because they want it to be very precise and it's hard to have a plan when you're doing texture. Like if it's, if you're a perfectionist, it might not be the thing for you because uh, you want the texture to be this way or that way. And you just can't get it to look how you want it. You kind of have to accept the way that it looks. And if you're a perfectionist, that might be kind of difficult to do. It's just, it's so simple to me. I, I feel like it's the opposite Yeah. where you can cut, you can kind of create the texture, however you want it, however you want to do it. Like I have, um, I have the trowels that have the teeth on the end, like the jagged teeth. You can make designs with it and use that. You can use combs. There are so many things that you can create texture with. Well, I suppose in many cases it is. You're adding another 3D element to the piece. Uh, It's almost like sculpturing in some ways. 
Yeah, kind of. It is. What about the, and I suppose this is based on the type of medium that you're using to create the texture, but is it forgiving at all? It is, which is another plus. It's very forgiving. So if you mess up, you can sand it off. Um, I've even used wall texture, like orange peel. Mm-hmm. And um, I can't remember the name of the, oh, it's called knockdown. Um, I've used those spray textures on my pieces. Um, and I love the way they look too. And again, if you don't like it, you can sand it right down and smooth it. What's your favorite texture medium to use of all, of all textures? I think that my, my most used is spackle or joint compound. And my favorite is the knockdown spray. Mm. It's by, by Homex. That's my favorite look. Well, I mean, it, uh, it's such an interesting element to the furniture design, isn't it? I mean, it really opens up a lot of opportunities from, from a design standpoint. Yeah, it, it lets you be a little bit extra. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a little bit extra, I guess. Yeah. What about paint mediums? Have you found any paint mediums that work better than others when it comes to painting after you've created the texture? I would say definitely 100% use chalk paint. I have used latex and it's not a good combination. It peels maybe because the the spackle wasn't set completely when I did it, but it has peeled on me. Chalk paint is definitely, it, it's kind of like it absorbs better into the the spackling compound. Yeah, I would go with chalk paint for sure. And when you mentioned on this piece that, uh, that we're talking about, you mentioned the Benjamin Moore paint. Did you did you use like a baby froche powder to create chalk I did. Paint? That's what I used. Yes. Mm, okay. And so you were able to get the color you wanted, which is one of the neat benefits of that. Uh, but you were able to, to turn it into chalk paint. That's really neat. Yes. I like doing that because I change my mind a lot. And if I decide I want to paint something in pink and then I change my mind and I want it green, I can just run to the hardware store, go to Ace and get the color I want on a whim. I don't have to you know, wait to have it shipped to me. So that's a plus if you're an impatient person. (laughs) (laughs) And many of us are. (laughs) Oh, we sure are. (laughs) What about uh, milk paint? Now, milk paint has its own type of chippy texture. Do you find yourself drawn to milk paint at all? I'm glad you said that. I've never tried milk paint. And one of the prizes in this contest was milk paint by, and Kristen from Chateau is going to be sending me some soon. I haven't ordered yet. I'm so excited to try it. And believe it or not, I know my style is kind of like modern, industrial, a little bit boho. I I love shabby chic. I love chippy. I still will always love shabby chic. And so I'm really excited to try milk paint. Yeah, well, we can't wait to see what you do with it. It's going to be a lot of fun to, to watch. And Yeah, I can't wait. Well, really nice work combining so much in one design, yet making it one piece that uh, I would think is going to sell pretty quickly, especially when they know that this was an award-winning piece. Yep, fingers crossed. Congratulations on winning first, Kristen. Share your Instagram account with our listeners, Kristen. It's Cloud Art by Kristen. It's Cloud underscore Art underscore by underscore Kristen with an E. Excellent. Well, I know our listeners will want to be able to catch up with you and follow you if they aren't already. And we're going to be really looking at your account. We want to see that milk paint. (laughs) Yeah, I can't wait to get it. All right. Thanks so much and congratulations, Kristen. 
Thank you so much, Lane. Today's refinishing tip comes from Diane with the Pink Pine Cone. Hey, this is Diane with the Pink Pine Cone, and my tip is around prepping your piece, particularly as it pertains to staining it. So when you know you're going to be applying stain to the wood, you want to be careful not to use a sandpaper that's too fine. Um, the reason for this is you can actually start to tighten the wood grain and seal the wood, which won't allow the stain to properly penetrate. So I typically start with like a 100, 120 grit sandpaper, just depending on how damaged the piece is. Um, then I work my way up to those finer grits, progressing through each one without skipping any. So amongst other things, jumping or skipping around can sometimes cause those squiggle marks you get. And again, with staining the piece in mind, I'll stop at 180 grit for harder woods like oak and 220 for softer woods like pine. Then I apply my pre-stained conditioner, which they sell that pre-mixed, or you can just use a combination of shellac and alcohol wait a little bit, and then I apply the stain. And that's my tip. If you have any questions or you want to follow me, I'm at Pink Pine Cone on Instagram. So happy refinishing. Wow. Tremendous insight, Diana. Thanks for sharing. It's time to hear what your refinishing friends are up to. Here are a few reporting on what they're working on in their studios this week. Hi, my name is Gina, and my business is Refound and Refined Furniture on Instagram or Facebook. And I am working on a couple things in my shop this week because I'm the artist that likes to jump around from project to project. The first thing I'm working on is a custom dining table. Then I'm working on a custom mirror and a Depression-era dresser. For the dining table, I'm sanding down the top completely and giving it a whitewash. And then the base and the legs are getting a gray finish with dark wax to give it an aged look. The mirror is getting painted a fun blue color. And the Depression Era dresser is my favorite this week because it has a hidden pocket behind the drawer to show where people used to hide their money from the 1930s when this dresser was used. So I'm stripping the top veneer off because it was in bad shape. I'm going to use a soda blasting technique to strip the legs and give them a new stain and strip the drawers. And then I'm painting the body in Apothecary by Melange Paint, which is a great dark gray color I'm so excited to use. So make sure you go over to my page and check it out and follow along in stories. Thank you so much, Lane, for having me on. Hello, my name is Jessica Garcia. And I'm Miguel Garcia, and together we own Refurbished and Relived. This week we are working on a dresser and nightstand combo for a client of ours who chose a light gray with a dark stain on top as the perfect mixture to match their bed set. Uh, this dresser at first was in pretty rough shape. The bottom wood piece that stabilizes the majority of the rear as well as the bottom dressers actually had been somehow cut in half. So in order to reach this area, I had to completely take off the backing of the dresser. And at that point, I was able to remove that piece of wood and replace it with a new one by one piece of wood and put in some new wood screws and voila, it was back to normal and actually functioning much better than before. Once that was completed, I started off by 
sanding the top of the dresser nightstands in order to ensure that the stain would better adhere to the bare wood. I then scuff sanded the sides of the dressers and also the drawers where my wife took over with the painting. So while the piece was already prepped and cleaned, I started with my first coat of paint <clears throat> in the light gray color with the zebra round brush and it was amazing because it left no brush strokes and I was able to get the color on and it looked amazing with just two coats. So while that was done, I then taped off the sides of the top of the dresser with some frog tape and I started to stain the top with a colonial black color. I took about two coats of that and then by the time I took off my tape, there was a nice balance between the stain and the paint. And that is because I use an angle brush, which helped line up the trim of the dresser perfectly. So we are so glad and happy that it turned out great. Um, we are also looking to get this piece home within the next few days. So we are really excited to post our final touches and get it staged and ready to go to its new home. Thank you so much for letting us be on your podcast. Hi guys, this is Nancy from Viv and Violet's Designs. I've been refurnishing furniture for six years now, and this week I'm working on two of my favorite styles. I'm going to be finishing up a empire dresser that was, it's cherry wood, um, but I've actually lightened the wood with a couple rounds of bleach, and I've done some different stains on it. Um, I'm actually keeping this piece for myself. Um, the side panels I have painted and done a stencil on, and I've also done a stencil on the sides of the drawers. And um, yeah, I'm really excited about how it's turning out. Then after I finish that one in a day or two, then I'm going to be starting on an East Lake dresser. And that is also one of my favorite styles. It has nap joints on it. And um, yeah, I'm just excited to start working on that. So that's what I've got going on this week. Thank you, friends. Listeners, make sure you go check out their social media feeds. We are nearing the end of July. Just a few more days to enter the July Zebra Review Contest. The world has come together to compete in Tokyo, Japan for the Olympics. Hence, we decided that we would play off of the theme of going for the gold for a July Zebra Review Contest. So here's the deal. Incorporate gold or variations of gold and yellow in your pieces. You can use other colors as well, but you must include yellows and or golds. You can enter pieces that were created as early as January 1st, 2021 through July 31st, 2021. Simply tag your pieces with the Zebra Review to be entered. The Olympics are always exciting and so are our furniture refinishing contest. We can't wait to see your glimmering pieces. Go for the gold. Calling all new refinishers, we have the perfect opportunity for you. Our new podcast segment, The Furniture Council, is a great opportunity to get professional feedback and guidance from four well-known and successful refinishers. 
You'll submit a few of your pieces to the council and our judges will review and critique your work lovingly, I might add, encouraging you on all the things you're doing right and making a few suggestions on how you could excel still more. Plus, it will be an opportunity to get your name out in front of the refinishing community by your podcast appearance. It's simple and fun. Send me an email at lane at enjoyzebra.com and we'll start the process. Summer is here in full swing and so is the Zebra Collective. Summer brings beach days and lush foliage. There are so many ways to capture summer loving through furniture design like vibrant tones, oceanic and coastal themes, bright colors, breezy, magical, starry and tropical tones. Pretty endless, right? Well, simply tag your pieces with our hashtag Zebra Collective. We have great sponsors this quarter. Milk Paint by Fusion, RZ Mask, Melange Paints, 1379 Designs and Zebra Painting. Enjoy summer and enter. It is summer and that means summer vacations. After a long and hard pandemic for us all, we hope you can get away with your families and enjoy some relaxation. We thought it would be fun to highlight several exciting summer travel destinations with a few of our uniquely designed paintbrushes. We'll be featuring our brushes and pairing them up with travel destinations around the world. If you haven't signed up for our online newsletter, make sure you do that today so you can join in on the fun. Just go to enjoyzebra.com, scroll to the bottom, and enter your email address. We'll be sending out emails and sharing on our social media venues. We all don't have the luxury of traveling to many of these places, but we certainly can enjoy the idea. Stay tuned for our summer travel destination series. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Zebra Blogs Before and After Furniture Finishing Podcast. Today's episode is also featured on the zebrablog.com along with contact information for today's guest. Your comments and suggestions for future episodes are always welcome, and we encourage you to share those by clicking on the podcast slide in our header at thezebrablog.com. That's zebra with an I blog.com. Thanks for listening. Stay safe and happy refinishing. Thank you.